I invite you to take your Bibles once again and turn to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. can remember when I was growing up and dad was just starting off in ministry, I can remember every year on New Year's Eve, we had a watch night service. We were just talking about it yesterday. And I'm not actually sure what was the most disappointing to me. The fact that we got to wake up on January 1st and the Lord hadn't returned, I mean, we had been told you know, that the Lord is going to return and, and we're going to get to see the streets of gold and we're going to get to see the Lord. and Or whether it was because I was afraid that if that happened that I actually wouldn't get to be another year older. <laughs> there are a lot of people who live their lives in preparation for a lot of things. For example, if you're a young person here this morning, what's the next big event on your calendar? Well, for most young people, hopefully it's graduation. Maybe graduation from junior high, graduation from high school. For those who are a little older, they go off to college. Those who do are at trade school. And, and what's the goal of being able to go to college or go to a trade school? I'm sure some of you went. All right, to make a living, to be able, hopefully to be able to, uh, to be able to get out of whatever your school or your degree and, and end up going and walking into a job and then making you a vice president. I mean, that's what it seems like most young people think is going to happen. <laughs> but there are some who, like some of our young people who uh, came from Frontier this last year, uh, some of the young ladies are only interested in obtaining one thing, an MRS degree. <laughs> And one of our young ladies actually is doing that, I believe, tomorrow. Uh, uh, Alyssa and Ben, who came the year before, I believe, are actually getting married tomorrow. And they're going to start their new life. But it takes a lot of preparation to be able to get to that point. If you're going to go into particularly a new field, for those of you who is former military here, okay, any, any of you cross-train into another field? Okay, but you know what's entailed normally, a lot of paperwork, sign and duplicate, triplicate, seven times, etc., and then eventually you get to start your new job as the needs of the military dictate. But as you go through that process, you prepare, and then they have to send you off to, uh, to, to, to tech school, technical school, to be able to learn your new trade. And eventually you learn the new trade, and then you get sent to your first duty assignment, and then you prepare to be able to do your job. Can you imagine somebody who wanted to cross-train into, say, going from being a bus driver or a truck driver in the Army, and now they want to go to work on helicopters? And so they apply, and they get accepted, and the very first day, the first sergeant comes up, and he says, okay, congratulations, you're now a helicopter repairman. I want you to go out there and fix that helicopter. Anybody here want to volunteer to take the first ride? Sister Lori says, not a chance. <laughs> You've been on a few, haven't you? Uh, yeah. Yes, and it takes an, an awful lot of work. 
And the reason that I'm bringing up this preparation is because people prepare for everything in their lives. You know, there are a lot of people, having been in the funeral industry myself for eight years and served as a funeral director, there are even people who prepare for death. They get their casket ready. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but you can actually buy them at Walmart now. You can go online and buy a casket. Have it shipped to your house. Store it in your garage. And they prepare for everything in life, but the one thing that most people are not prepared for is actually the blessed hope. The return of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we can be prepared for all of the things we think that, that we can go through, whether it's wedding or jobs or whatever it may be that you've got going on in your life. You can do all of these things, but if you are not prepared to meet the Lord Jesus Christ on the first day of eternity for you, then everything else that you will have done will have been a waste. You see, this is what happens, or this is what we see when we come to Titus chapter 2. Paul is writing to young Titus, one of his disciples in the faith, and he has trained Timothy, he has trained Titus, and now we come to, after having dealt with a little bit of doctrine, he deals now with the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we don't know when that's going to take place. Uh, we used to, as I said at the beginning, we used to live in fear. Some of us, we were afraid that, because in most of the churches that I attended when we were growing up, Right about 10 minutes or 15 minutes until 12 o'clock, there would either be preaching or there would be uh, praying, maybe praying in the new year. And, and most of us kids were looking around wondering if we were actually going to get to have any snacks. You know, if the Lord comes right at the stroke of midnight and we don't get to see the new year, we're all going to luck out. But when we look at Titus chapter 2, what we realize is it is not important about the timing as much as it is to be able to prepare for the fact that our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, is actually going to make an appearance. When we look at Revelation chapter 6, for example, starting next week as we continue our series in Revelation that we've been off of now for about three or four months, I, I hope that if you come and you hear the message of salvation that is found in Revelation chapter 6 through 8, which is our next section. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, those three chapters should paralyze you with fear. Paralyze you with fear, wondering and having a search within your heart and your soul to determine whether you truly know the Lord or not. Because if you don't know the Lord, it will be too late on that day. Because as it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this comes the judgment. The judgment will come for every person. Now the difference between myself as a true believer and you this morning if you're a true believer versus the rest of the world. I was talking with Brother Carl this morning and we were talking about the people, the way that they live in the world. And you know, there are many people who are on the broad road to destruction. They will find themselves there because that's the way they were born, by their sin nature. Now the problem is that there are very few who find the way, the narrow way to life. And it's the way that you come is one person at a time. You come to the foot of the cross humbly acknowledging your need of a savior and you recognize that Jesus Christ alone is the way to salvation. 
not anything else. Nothing that you can do. You can join every church in Cheyenne, every church in Wyoming. You can give to every church in Wyoming and it won't make one bit of difference. You can be a pastor. You can be a deacon. You can be a Sunday school teacher. You can do all of these things and think that you're doing it right and yet you're going to hear as Matthew chapter 24 records some of the saddest, most tragic words in all of scripture. Depart from me, says the Lord Jesus Christ, because I never knew you. I'm sure there are going to be people just like you and I who are sitting on on chairs and and it may be you this morning. I don't know. This is a brand new year, but there are going to be some and they're going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and they're going to want to give a a recounting of everything that they did. Lord, don't you remember I did this for you? I did that for you? And he's going to say, no, never knew you. You see, it's not about what we do for Christ. It's about what Jesus Christ has already done and completed for us. That's what salvation is all about. Knowing that Jesus Christ paid the price. We sing the beautiful hymn, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it whiter than snow. The problem is we've prepared for a lot of things. I was reading the news this morning and they were saying that in England, for example, they had the largest display in London. It was a 12-minute display. It was the largest that anywhere in Europe has ever seen for a display. Cost millions of pounds. They had to prepare for that. It just didn't happen overnight. But what if in the midst of all of the... Anybody here heard the fireworks last night? They were all over the place. But as people are firing those off, can you imagine what it would have been like? We spoke about this last week in the first Advent when the shepherds were out there on those dark hills outside of Bethlehem and then all of a sudden the night sky is lit up by the angel who gives the great news that peace has come into the world through Jesus Christ. Can you imagine what that must have been like to be there in that dark and all of a sudden see that light up? It's going to be even brighter than that when the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ shines down upon this world and he breaks through the clouds and he says, I am here. You see, the problem is that people think that they can live and maybe you're this way this morning. You can live your life any way you want to and think that you can still be ready for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, but you can't. You see, this is what Paul is telling Titus. It's been 2,000 years since Titus was living on this earth. I'm sure that Titus and Paul and the Apostle John, I'm sure they all thought that they were going to be ready for the return of the Lord. Can you imagine how disappointing it would be if I were to tell you, yes, we need to prepare for the, for the return of the Lord, but I want you to know something. The Lord Jesus Christ isn't going to actually return for another 2,000 years. Would that be discouraging this morning? Sure would be to me. If I knew for a fact that he was not going to return and that he was not going to establish his eternal kingdom and it wasn't going to happen in my lifetime. (coughs) Excuse me, I don't know about you, but I don't look forward to having to be maybe in a nursing home one day. I don't look forward to growing older every day and the aches and the pains continuing to increase and not just that, but the mental anguish and the emotional anguish and 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 even worse than that, the spiritual anguish that we have to deal with a fallen world that hates Jesus Christ and hates his followers as well. 
So when Paul writes to Timothy or writes to Titus here in chapter 2, listen to what he says again, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared. What if Jesus Christ did not come the first time? What if the Messiah had not come? What, what, if, what if the Jews were right and, and Jesus really was an imposter? He was, he was maybe a good person, but he wasn't the Messiah. No, Paul makes it clear to the reader. He says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation. Isn't that what Simeon and Anna said in the temple? They're holding that little baby and Simeon himself looks up to heaven and he prays and he says, Lord, now let your servant depart for I have seen your salvation. Why would you even want to prepare to live to do anything in your life whatsoever if you were not prepared to see the salvation of God? Psalm 116, the first message that was ever preached, the first sermon that was ever preached in the colony of, of Australia, what became Australia, in Botany Bay was preached by a man and he preached from Psalm 116 and he preached these words, what shall I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits towards me? I will take the cup of salvation and I will call upon the name of the Lord. It was the last, the one and only time that the governor of Australia, the penal colony, actually called the people together for a service. And it was forgotten after the first Sunday. Australia fell into a very debauched society. It's a very liberal society today and there are actually very few people who know the Lord there. And yet they came from a country from England and Scotland and Wales. People that, that maybe their families were going to church on a regular basis. Maybe even every Sunday. They were worshiping. They, they were holding the hymnals. They were singing the songs of Zion. They were listening to the words of God being proclaimed. And within one generation, nothing. You see, we have a responsibility, parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, we have a responsibility to tell those who are around us that Jesus Christ did come. And he came into the world not to be a sweet little baby in a manger and stay there. He didn't even come just to die on the cross and stay there. He came so that he might die, but he was buried three days later, rose again to complete our justification. What a wonderful truth. Again, as I've shared with you before, if, if we were to live our lives and you had a family member who had cancer and you called me up and you said, well, pray for my loved one because they've got cancer. And I said, well, you know, I happen to have one pill in my drawer and it'll cure all the cancers in the world. But why didn't you tell anybody? Well, because I didn't think that everybody would be interested. Yet that's what we do with salvation. God has given us the greatest gift in the world. He has freed us from the power of sin, or from the very penalty of sin. One day we'll be free from the presence of sin. Can, can you imagine living your life right now if you didn't have to deal with sin? Can you imagine how wonderful it would be if you didn't ever have any disagreements or arguments with your spouse? If you didn't have to worry about any willful disobedience or rebellion from your kids or from your grandkids? Wouldn't that be wonderful to live that way? 
but imagine even more so being in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and not having anything to cloud him or his glory. training or teaching us in some of your translations, teaching us to, what does he say? Renounce what? Verse 12. Renounce ungodliness. To renounce those things that keep us separated from God. I can look back over my life and I can look over even just the last few months of 2022 and I can look and realize that there were things that I did or that I said or whatever that went on in my life that shouldn't have been because it was a level of ungodliness. We have all been there. We are all there at different times. But if we remember the grace of God which has come, which has appeared to us, God in his graciousness through his Holy Spirit has allowed us to be able to see our sin, to be able to be forgiven of that sin, why would we want to continue to live in that sin? Not just renouncing ungodliness, but to renounce worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in what? The present age. In other words, where we're living right now. This isn't just applicable 2,000 years ago. This is applicable today. And if we're going to renounce these things, if we're going to renounce the worldly passions that surround us, think about all of the things that go on in this world. This world hates God with a passion. When, when you come to church, do, look around for just a moment. Do you know why? And we've got a number of people who are out today. But do you know why I believe God is bringing people here? Because we're not striving to be like the world. We want to be different. Because there are a lot of places that you can go where you can hear something where the pastor is seeking to entertain the goats. Not to edify the sheep. Folks, you and I need to be prepared. And if God in His graciousness allows us to be able to go out and present the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to our family and our friends and they get saved and they come to church, they should be coming to learn, to grow. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. We look around and we see a number of young people, our, our, our newest, uh, newest two little babies back here, Emily and Claire. Now, I'm not sure that mom and dad can tell them apart yet, but I know I sure can. I've just met them for the first time. First Sunday of 2023, and here they are. Do you not think that it would be concerning to Brother Rob and Sister Jen if next year on January 2024 we get together and those two babies are the same size? That would be concerning, wouldn't it? You know, we, we were out shopping with the, with the girls this week and they were getting some, some clothes and, man, that, that's, that's a chore in itself. But... You take them to go get clothes and, and the lady that was at the front, she was very gracious and she said, boy, it's not easy. She looked at me and she said, it's not easy, is it? And I said, nope. I said, I don't know why they just didn't obey dad when they were little and just stay little. And she said, it doesn't work that way. I said, yeah, I know. Here's the thing. If you and I are going to prepare for the return of the Lord, we need to be willing. We've been talking about this with Brother Gabe, and, and there are several. We're going to be introducing some new things, as I shared with you earlier, 
over the course of this year that I think are going to encourage you to do just this, to renounce the things of the world. That doesn't mean that we become an ascetic. It doesn't mean that we become a monk. What it does mean is that we together encourage one another and so much the more as we see the day approaching. That's what Paul tells us, or the writer of Hebrews says. So we continue in this present age, waiting for what? Our blessed hope. The hope of the Lord Jesus Christ, Brother Al did a great job in presenting the book of Daniel over the last in the Sunday school hour over the last several months. And I learned a lot. There were a lot of things, a lot of questions that people had and they, that came up and that's great, nothing wrong with that. But one of the things that I appreciated that he did was there are some doctrines or some things that just really are not salvific in nature. In other words, it doesn't have one bit of different doesn't make one bit of difference in our salvation. We began the series in Revelation and I shared this with you. If you're coming because you want to hear sensational sermons about Apache 64 helicopters out of the book of Revelation, I'm sorry you're not going to hear that. If you think when it talks about the stingers that are in the tails, that they're talking about machine guns hanging out of the back of an airplane or a drone shooting people down, you're not going to hear that either. But what I am going to strive to do faithfully in the scriptures is to point you to Jesus Christ so that you can be prepared for whatever it is that God has in store for us. The reason why we pray for our brothers and sisters around the world every single Sunday is because I know what may be coming here. And I'm afraid that we as a nation, and we as Christians who are in that nation, are probably not ready for what our brothers and sisters face overseas. But we need to be. Am I a soldier as the hymn goes? Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb? If I am, then I can't expect to be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease. Just because we live here in America, America is a great country. It's probably the greatest country in the world today. God has been gracious to us in allowing us to live here, to have the freedoms that we have. But what if God were to take all of that away in one fell swoop? Would it change who he is? No. Wouldn't change his sovereignty. Wouldn't change his purposes. It wouldn't catch God off guard. He would still be right where he's always been on his throne. And we would have to learn to prepare and to live with the new reality of whatever it is that God has in store for us. I don't believe that we're exempt as Christians. In fact, Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Parents, grandparents, when was the last time you had a conversation with your children and prepared them for persecution? Wow, that's hard. Because we want life to be a bed of roses. We want it to be great and wonderful. We don't know what the Lord has. We don't know what will come. But we must be prepared. 
The blessed hope. What is this blessed hope? It is the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you remember what Paul said to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 2? One day, because God has, God the Father has given Jesus Christ a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every what? Knee will bow, guaranteed. Even Slewfoot himself, old Lucifer, is going to have to bow the knee. It will be the greatest double cross in history because right now the evil one thinks that he's got free reign. He thinks he's got the ability to be able to dupe our young people into believing that, hey, life is your oyster. You can do whatever you want. You can live any way you want to. And it won't make one bit of difference. Young people, older folks, this last year we can look and we can see, for example, those who died, the queen, former pope, died in their 90s. There are several people who died this last week. Barbara Walters, 93 years old. Passed away. During the years that I worked in the industry, every family always said the same thing. They died too soon. They died too soon. The truth is that they didn't. You and I will die right on time. The question is, will we be ready for whatever day that is? When we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, we will stand before him and he will either be our savior or he will be our judge. Those are the only two options. There's no in-between. There's no purgatory. There's only a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. This is why we partake of the Lord's table as a reminder of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Look what he says in verse 14 who, Jesus Christ, gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, to purify for himself the people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. If we could write your tombstone right now, would it say that on your tombstone or mine? Would it say, God purified Mark Escalera for himself, a person for his own possession, a man who was zealous for good works for God? How would God define your tombstone? You see, there are a lot of things that we can act or say or do in a certain way, and, and, and people will believe us because maybe we wear a suit or because we look nice or because we show up every Sunday, but God truly alone knows your heart and mind. The elements that are before us this morning, the bread and the cup, the bread representing the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ and the cup representing his blood which was shed. It was not an accident. It was done on purpose. His blood was shed for us for the remission of sins. For without, as Paul, or as the writer of Hebrews says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. There are a lot of religions in the world that will make you feel good about yourself today. But there's only one truth, one biblical truth in the world that will make you understand, love, and appreciate the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, because the difference between man-made religion and salvation that God offers is man-made religion takes the parts of God that he wants 
throws away the rest and then adds his own little two cents worth. As one French philosopher said many years ago, 1700s, God made man in his own image and now man has returned the favor by trying to make God in his. You cannot bend God to your will. You cannot change what the scripture says. The wheels have been set in motion. The beginning and the end are all known and everything in the middle is known to God. When I go to sleep at night, there are several people who've already asked me, did you stay up late last night? Nope, sure didn't. By the time 12 o'clock rolled around, if you would have gone by our house, you would have heard snoring. (laughs) But when I went to bed last night, my wife and I prayed like we normally do before we go to sleep. I went to sleep with the confidence knowing that if I didn't wake up, God was still in control. Mm -hmm. And that 2023 would still be a good year for my family. I don't know what God has for us in store here at Yellowstone this year. But I hope that when we get to the end of it, as you see on the bulletin each week, I hope you will see that this is what we truly mean and seek to implement here, where Christ is glorified. We're going to make mistakes. We're not a perfect church. I'm not a perfect pastor. You're not perfect members or perfect attenders but we have a perfect Savior. One of the things in here, if you'll open it up, we're actually going to have something new each week. And if you'll open your bulletin down the bottom, I'm going to be encouraging you to take this information and learn. This was actually Spurgeon's catechism, Charles Spurgeon, uh, from England, pastored in the mid to later 1800s and pastored Metropolitan Tabernacle. And this is the first question. It's actually found in several different catechisms. But one of the things that I want to do and I want to encourage you to do is that if we are going to live godly lives, if we are going to seek to put away the passions of the flesh, we're going to need to spend time filling our mind with the things of God. You know, it's sad that we can watch a movie, we can say even some of the lines, we can repeat them back, we can, we can watch football games or sports games, and, and we know all the statistics of this person and that person, and yet we struggle to be able to recall the scriptures. So I want to encourage you this year, like never before, look at question one, what is the chief end of man? Well, why are you here? Why am I here? I'm not talking about here at Yellowstone this morning, but why are you here in this world? What is the purpose that God has placed you here for? The answer, man's chief end is to watch the Super Bowl. To try out all the buffets. No. The chief end of man is to glorify God. Listen to these verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 31. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And that's what I want to encourage you with this morning. No matter what you do, 
when you go home today, when you get up tomorrow morning, when you get up on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, even on your days off, I want you to ask yourself. I would recommend taking a three by five card, writing down 1 Corinthians chapter 31. Write this question down. If you don't learn any of the other questions in the catechism, you should learn this one. Put it on every wall of your house. What is my chief end? What is the chief end of my kids? It's going to be a whole lot easier, parents. It, instead of getting in the middle of he said, she said, they said, whatever said, we're going to sit on you if you don't behave. Instead of getting in the middle of all of that, how about is what you did, is what you said, is how you're living being done to glorify God. Point your children to Jesus. Psalm 73, 25 and 26. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. My friends, if, if 2023 is the last year you have on this earth, when we get to the end of this year, can you say that there is nobody or nothing on earth that you desire besides God. I'm talking about keeping Him first, preeminent, Him alone, not Him plus a bunch of other things, Him alone. I've used this illustration before, so forgive me for using it again for those of you who have heard it. But if you come up and you ask to see a picture of my wife, and I open up my wallet and I show you a picture of my wife and there are six or seven pictures of other women that are there. Do you think my wife's going to be very happy? You see, my wife doesn't want to be prominent. She doesn't want to be one among many. She wants to be the one and only. And when you look at the cross behind me on the wall, that is a very poor representation of what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us on Calvary. He doesn't want to be prominent in your life. He wants to be preeminent. He wants to be the one and only. Don't worship him with somebody else or with anything else this year. You say, well, I have already done that. What do I do now? 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He, God, is faithful. He, God, is just. He, God, will forgive you of your sins. He, God, will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And then you leave the past with Him. And you press on to the future. Press on towards the calling, a high calling of God in Christ Jesus, Paul told the church at Philippi. May your chief end this year be to glorify God. May you be prepared, whatever comes, that you will be living in such a way that you will be ready for the blessed hope and you will not live in such a way that you will be embarrassed to see Jesus Christ come. That's the best New Year's and the only New Year's resolution that you will ever need. Because all the other ones, you're going to break. I'm going to break. It's not about diets, fads, fasting. It's not about all of that. Just simply strive to live one day at a time, 
one hour at a time for Jesus Christ. And at the end of that year, or that day, or that month, whatever time you've got left, you will be able to rejoice in the God of your salvation. And you will be able to say with that minister who stood up in front of those godless people in Australia, what shall I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits towards me? I will take everything I have and I will give it to him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I am thankful that we can look to your word. I am thankful for the blessed hope. We do not know when it will come. We do not know all the circumstances surrounding it, but we know that the Father does. And one day he will turn and say to his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, go and gather your bride. But your word also tells us that he will come and he will find a bride who has made herself ready. Maybe this be the year that we prepare like never before, that you will help us to keep our eyes on the prize. We thank you, Father, for the bread and the cup that we will partake of now. May our hearts be encouraged at what Jesus Christ has done. He has made a way of escape. To escape from the clutches of sin and from the evil one, we don't even have to fear the grave or hell itself if our faith is in you. So may we partake together with great joy. In Jesus' name and all God's people said,